Welcome back to the Brothers Book Club Podcast, a podcast for those who like to read and also like to take months off of reading. We've got it all. We can do both. We definitely do both. And we're back uh, in pretty short succession to the last podcast we did because we've been catching up on our reading, catching up on our books. And we're back this month with Calypso. Yep. Some might Which say a- uh, we're on a heater. Two books, yeah. <laughs> less than less than two months. We're uh, we're riding a hot streak right now. Yeah, at this point, uh, two per month is well. We have proven it's unsustainable, so we're definitely setting expectations we can't fulfill. Well, we might even fit, we might even sneak out a third this month, or you know, yep, early in October. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. We're on track. Uh, yeah, we're we're riding the we're riding the heat. We're riding the momentum. We're uh, we're coasting right now. As any high school reader learns, and then especially college reader learns, the procrastination catches up with you. At some point, those books are going to get read. <laughs> they or have those to. those spark notes are going to get read. Yeah, or you're gonna you know do a podcast or write a paper and basically have to admit that you never read it in the first place, which. It, it affected me last time, so I just want to come out and say that I did finish this book. This book, yeah, yeah. This this one we can dig in. Well, although we dug it on the last, but I this always book uh, we can really dig in. Yeah, yeah. It's it makes a difference, and this one is in the format you prefer, which is a collection of things, not one True. long meandering thing. So we got a nice taste of some different. Although I guess. One of the first things I was going to propose about this book is that actually he should have just killed all the titles and just made the whole thing a stream of consciousness of dislike and hate. Because I felt like the essay titles actually confused things more. Like they were, (laughs) they didn't even have good cohesion within them. So it was just like, what's the title even for, man? You're just rambling. Just let it ride. (laughs) Yeah, I would always (laughs) just let it ride. Yeah. No, I would always kind of go back and reference the title, maybe like two or three pages into each story and be like, okay. Yeah. Is is that justified? Does that make any sense? And uh, there were there were some that yeah. fit. But yeah. I, there were also plenty where I thought, oh man, you really lost it for about two thirds. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. uh yeah, it did seem like a pretty steady stream of cynicism and um you know, there are some themes throughout, but yeah, it was basically just him hating on a a, a series of things throughout uh fifteen or so short stories. Yeah. Well, let's dig into this essay collection then. We're doing a fill in the blank that uh, you chose and made uh, based on one of the stories or essays rather, I can't remember. And that is um, in one of them, he is kind of admonishing people for small talking, which he clearly loathes, does not does not have a minute of his world time for small talk. Yeah. Uh, And so he was discussing which phrases from the English language he would like to um, eliminate just because small talk and <laughs> you know yeah. small social interaction if um, you uh, if you're a fan of david sadaris if you ever meet him in real life you better come correct because otherwise just know in his mind that he is tearing yeah, just, you apart limb from limb yeah. if yeah, you just ask recite him a dante verse and ask him what you think of it or yeah. bring a translated copy of the iliad or something and ask yeah. him about a certain a certain you know word choice or yeah image ask or him uh yeah, ask him what it was like the last time he stubbed his toe or something. And yeah, just, there, yeah, airplane, airplane fodder discussion. That's yeah. fine. That'll work. Yeah, you'll probably catch him on an airplane. This guy flies a lot, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. So our fill in the blank is: if you could ban one word or phrase from the English language, it would be blank. 
So Ryan, I'll let you take it away since you, uh, this is your creation. You can probably, oh yeah. Well, I have, um, so he writes, he writes, uh, I think his answer is awesome from the English language. He says awesome. is like, yeah, yeah or, or as you'd predict any other word that just stands in for positivity, probably, you know, <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Awesome has become pretty common though. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, I think he said if uh, if anything in America is not terrible, then it is immediately awesome. Uh, but for me, it would be personally, uh, I really need to stop using the word. It made me self-conscious about my own use of the word insane. I think I say that word far too many times or way too often. Yeah, I was thinking um, th- this is uh, the, the push... In, at least in 2018, I've noticed more um, pushes in media for um, eliminating ableist language, which essentially means language around handicaps, various uh, handicaps. And that, the, so crazy and insane are ones that I weirdly was going to mention too. Because hmm. I, it, those are just stand in words for like, I have nothing to say, or like, yeah. this is mildly interesting, but I actually don't want to talk about it. Yeah, it's like, like, oh man, crazy. Oh man, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know. I, feel, I hear myself saying it sometimes, and it drives me, uh, I need to find any other word for it. It drives me nuts because I'm like, oh man, like, oh, you went out till three o'clock in the morning last night. It's insane. It's like, is that really? No, it's not. It's yeah, it normal. sounds tiring. Uh, it sounds maybe interesting. You know, yeah, I, it's, yeah. There, yeah, I could, I could, do, I could say so many other things, but yeah, I do find myself going back to me. I'm like, oh yeah, dude, it's insane. I think yeah, interesting is one for me that I always used to use. I remember um, one of our mom's friends called me out on it once, and. I think she was doing it actually as like a complimentary way as yeah. she was kind of saying like, oh, you don't want to put a judgment word in. So you just say interesting a lot. It's like you're giving yourself a chance to think, which is true. I mean, a lot of the times it's I yeah. just want to pause to think or I don't have any or more importantly, which I guess in small talk conversation isn't really allowed. I just don't want to talk or I have nothing to say. <laughs> it's just, OK, <laughs> you told me your anecdote like great. Yeah, it also means that, like, I, you know, you could also see that as, like, you're thinking about it, you're contemplating it, you find what yeah. And I feel like that's a great follow-up question to say if someone says that's insane or that's interesting, you can follow up and say, in what way, you know? How? <laughs> yeah, how? Why? <laughs> like, like, you know, why? Yeah, why? But um, just to go back, because I was thinking about this before we started tonight and i just want to say uh there's a series of words and i think it has to do with um like internet culture today uh lit mood vibe or uh anything along those uh terms i would also say those terms those words can all just uh die in my opinion yeah i struggle with this because i still teach i still tutor like high school age in middle school some middle school people too and I yeah. sympathize because it's obvious anyone who kn- looks at any language for just any period of time knows that slang comes and goes. So, you know, yeah. slang is just that that will never not be. Uh, and I think the the criticism I'd leverage against the current generation of slang. But I d- But again, though, it just feels weird because I'm sure we did this, too. But it feels like it's the generation who likes emojis. Right. So, like, what's the point of an emoji to condense a sentence's worth of information to a thing? Like, right. Pre- I mean, pretty much. Like you have feeling, yeah. yeah, or you have stand-ins for complete thoughts, and you just quickly rifle this off. And a lot of slang does that. 
but it feels like the the words you just said are essentially stand-ins for like more complex sentences and thoughts and it's just like a condensation like ah, okay here's the mood basically means this makes me feel good i think like 90 percent of the time mood is used or like if not makes me feel good it's like this is how i feel right now and so it's just kind of yeah like it's it's just an emoji for like my emotions and then i think lit is like an emoji basically a verbal emoji for like good this is cool or good which you know so i could take or leave it i think yeah any you're always going to be that's the grandpa on the on the porch mentality like that's just how getting old is you know it's like oh their new stuff is bullshit i try and check myself on that but i do feel like this slang is condensed in a weird way again it feels to me just like they want to talk in emojis so here's a quick word to represent a complex idea yeah Um, granted again a lot of slang does that but yeah that's how i i don't really look down on it of course i also just openly uh, basically the conversation we just had for two two minutes would probably kill any teenager if they heard listen to it and they're like oh my god what are they why are you thinking why are you saying so much about this you know that's that's the our burden is old people is to think about things i don't know contextualize them whatever they can have their slang i don't care i'm not going to use it i feel indifferent about it and yeah i I guess i find it odd when someone my age uses it because it's like any slang term slang term is is for sure generational and like why i don't use slang from the 70s you know like and that's i guess maybe that's the oddity is that if people our age use it it feels like it were a generation off or displaced yeah Yeah, i didn't uh, grow up saying cowabunga or like gnarly or i don't know whatever i don't even know 70s or 80s fucking slang i don't know whatever they said yeah (laughs) hip yeah so it's just that i don't know maybe you have oddly youthful friends no i think it's just like uh spending any time on the internet or like uh you know, yeah. on social media or any any other place like that. Yeah, but mood is one I've seen online more than the rest. You said. I also big mood. I think is the like. Big. I guess <laughs> big mood is just literally the bigger. Hey, I feel more of this. I it's, feel more uh, of this than than regular. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's italicized or bold. It's yeah, like big uh, mood. Yeah, yeah, big mood. Yeah, I don't know well, if I'd kill any of that stuff. I, I feel indifferent. If it went, they would just... The, the teens aren't going to not make new terms. New slang think, will not... There will always be new slang. So, no, so you're right. And then indifferent... In yeah, indifferent is the proper approach, I think. But uh, to David Sedaris, he did have... Uh, he was like, you know... He's very adamant about just... If he could just ban... So for me, uh, off yeah. the cuff, I would just ban. You're allowed. Okay. You're allowed. If you spend you spend some time for work purposes on uh, social media accounts, and that amplifies some words and makes you hate them more than others. I think that's yeah. fair. Ban. <laughs> I, ban. You know ban. That, that like something. I my thing has always been. Oh, maybe I can answer it this way. I my thing has always been. I hate hashtags because mm. essentially hashtags have taught us how to like sort order and filter our own things into categories, which is weird. Cause I love categorizing in things just in, I love organization. So right. it's like, I would, this is something I should love. I think the way that hashtags get weird is that it makes people try to be humorous in really condensed ways, which is like, it's hard to do humor like that. And so like some hashtags are simply logical. Like I'm at Coachella hashtag Coachella. That's just categorization. Like you're yes. just organizing your data for people to know 
to yeah, organize yeah. the data. You're, yeah, yeah, it's you're like that's not to the list. Yeah, yeah, it's not insightful or helpful. It's just like here, this you can organize this tweet now into where it needs to go, which is a yeah. weird. That's a weird concept in and of itself. But then a lot of people use hashtags as sarcasm. And I don't know. I love sarcasm, but it just feels lazy. Like, why are you hashtagging it at all? Can't you fit the sarcasm into a joke or into a sentence? Like, maybe I'd ban hashtags. I find them odd. I don't hmm. see the purpose of them. I like that. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I guess for organizing things, like, I get that. I, I like it. I enjoyed, like, stocking the shelves at the library occasionally, like, just fitting things into where they need to be. But yeah. um, hashtags are weird. I don't get them. They're weird. I mean, yeah. It sounds like you uh, you appreciate hashtags for their purpose, which I guess in the at the end of the day is to organize. But you, yeah, feel strongly about them being used for anything other than that purpose. Yeah, yeah, it just feels like uh, I, I, like I guess that. I don't ever seen one that made me laugh. I, I suppose that could be it. It's like I don't think I've ever seen one that was like. I guess I'm trying to think of a show that's referenced them. I feel like. Oh, you know, Parks and Recreation did a joke about it where it was like hashtag boss bitch versus hashtag bitch boss. And it was like the difference between, you know, my boss is awful and like I really like my boss. That was kind of that's kind of a funny way. But even then, I didn't laugh at it like it was more insightful about that's more of a thing about how language is a funny thing and constructing it is weird. But like I didn't really laugh at that either. So, yeah, I don't know. Generations. I'm law. It's lost on me. Yeah, and I'll um I'll leave that up to the brilliant writers on that show to uh to really get into that. Well, just make sure to organize your content for the internet people. Mm. When the internet people need your content, man, make sure it's labeled. All right. Yeah, and don't try and don't do want too it to much. Get lost. Yeah, or Absolutely. be uh, extra or humorous. Yeah, big mood. It's got me big, feeling a big mood about hashtags. Big time mood. <laughs> yeah. Woo. At least big mood is so literal that even mom could understand that. If I was like, Maybe. mom, what do you think the slang term big mood me- means? I mean, she'd probably guess pretty probably close. be like, well, I'd imagine that was something about uh, having a big mood. Yeah. It's like, like it w- yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe that should be the, uh, maybe that should be the uh, quote or the, um, the, I guess the unofficial uh, phrase for the stumped, just big mood. Big mood. Yeah, the stump. We could uh, we could make. Here's something we should trademark. We should do those old big dog T-shirts. Remember that awful brand? Oh, but dude. Just, you know, big dog, big I, mood T-shirt <laughs> crossover. I had a friend. If Ryan McCann is listening to this right now, I just want you to know that Travis indirectly just referenced a joke that uh, he made, and he flipped the big dog logo recently. And I think I might actually reach out to him and try and get the big mood. Uh, flipped in there and then have him work the stumped in there somehow. Big mood. Yeah, yeah, big mood, big dog. I'm in. Maybe, yeah, I big still... dog, but then we replace the dog with a tree stump and something else. Huh. And then, yeah, big mood. Let's save this for our merchandising phone call later with our, yeah. mer- with our merch department. Yeah, that's a separate, uh, that's a separate. Uh, that's right. Different podcast. Yeah, different cast. Get the mics hot for a different purpose. Big let's um, let's talk books then, and specifically this book. Let's dig into yeah. some questions. Let's you want to start with one, or you want me to throw one? Um, why don't you throw one? I'll throw it right back. Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, well, other than uh, one thing that'll jump out in the book, um, and I've re- I only read one other David Sedaris book. 
so I don't know if, you know, his style tone is consistent across all, but it seems like it was. Um, he focuses a lot on obsessions, you know, he's, uh, he mentions in this book that he journals every day and it's like, yeah, yeah that, I've heard people who do things like that and they want to sure. keep track of themselves. Yeah. Um, also a writer makes sense. Yeah. In the book though, he variously references picking up trash in his neighborhood obsessively, yes. tracking yep. his steps on his watch phone, uh, hybrid device or step tracker Fitbit obsessively. Yeah. Tracking his Fitbit steps obsessively. Yep. Um, why do you think that? Why do you think it's a recurring thing for him? What is it? I don't why, know, why does he bring this up? I think he might suffer from uh, like a really mild case of obsessive compulsive. It's just something like he, I, in the Fitbit story, when he starts talking about when he started using it, and he's like, you know, tracks tracks your movement up ten thousand steps a day. It'll give you a little tingle. He was like. I remember 10,000. And when he gets to 20, 30,000, he's like, I remember when I hit 30,000. I look back on that day and I think, well, you could easily double that. He was walking, I think, like 60, 70,000 steps a day. Do you remember what it got up to? Oh, no, I don't remember the number. It was absurdly high, though. He would walk yeah. for like nine hours a day. He would just like, he would walk, I think, the equivalent of like, I don't who knows, like, I don't know, 20, 30 miles. Uh, yeah, yeah. for no other reason than to just uh like hit this hit this like fitbit goal and like never do less he was talking about when he was like sick like doubled up at the airport he like would walk from gate to the end of one gate to the other just because he could like you know fit in five thousand more steps I think I I guess the question I was aiming for was not I well I think that's a fair point. I wasn't meaning to speculate on him. I, I just meant like in the book. I guess it, it contrasts really interestingly with these other personal failings he acknowledges, but kind of shrugs off as like, well, I don't know, I can't fix it. Kind of like his relationship with his dad is okay, but there's things that they just don't can't yeah. bridges they see, can't seem to cross. Or he yeah. talks a lot about his sister who committed suicide and how. Like they hadn't spoken for 10 years and like it was, he just puts in such effort to these really quantifiable obsessions like you. And I think, I don't know, maybe it just made me connect and think, yeah, humans are often this way. Mm -hmm. Working on a relationship is an accountable endeavor. Like you can't be like, I did 10,000 relationship positive points today. Like, right. And I just wonder if that's maybe part of the part of his point in this book is just like we i don't know maybe it relates to the middle age part of it but it's just like we you know obsess ourselves with things we want to improve he mentions he's like a brother who's obsessed with food has like that midlife crisis where it's like yeah i eat only green smoothies that's it and my body's a temple now um and that that seemed to just kind of under uh cut not undercut but it, it was an interesting contrast to the other things that he admitted to failing at where it's like, well, those things seem squishier that you can't count them, you know? And I, it just struck me as kind of a personality contrast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, yeah, that's interesting because yeah, a lot of, a lot of the things that he talks about in the book that are seemingly out of his control or, um, have just kind of like gotten away from her or him or the lot, like they're the bigger, bigger things there are a lot of the unknown i think what he likes to control is yeah things like that where he can pick up you know a piece of trash when he sees it on the ground he can walk you know two thousand steps on his way to or from you know 
wherever he's going. He can take the stairs instead. It's almost like he really likes to control. I, it, he, he does like to say, um, like, the whole – another big theme in the book is the vacation home that him and his partner buy for their family. He does that to control, uh, like, their – their trips, where they go, when they go, what they can do when they're there, because it is his house. It's for the family, but it's his house. And I think he likes to control just, or just be in control of those sorts, those types of things. And he kind of obsesses over it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I also think that the Fitbit and the picking up trash, (laughs) those, uh, two, things kind of really uh, affected one another. Like I feel like he started picking up trash when he would hit 50,000 steps in a day, like walking around his like not neighborhood, but walking around his house in Sussex, just like, you know, that's just what you do. If you walk for nine hours a day, um, he made it a point to stop and pick up every piece of trash (laughs) that he saw and both made him feel as accomplished. Here's a, I was going to bounce into another question about this, but I think I just found maybe the distillation of what I was, what we were describing in the, the contrast of this in, um, on one he's debating with his life partner, Hugh, about whether they should get married once the U S passed the, right. and allowed gay marriage, the Supreme court ruling came out. Yes. And, um, uh, he says, I mean, this is a perfect bit of his cynicism on one twenty four. Uh, He says, I was all for the struggle mainly because it irritated fundamentalists. I wanted gay people to get the right to marry, and then I wanted none of us to act on it. I wanted (laughs) it to be ours to spit on, which, you know, I respect that kind of bitter, especially, you know, uh, God, we're not the podcast going to the history of, you know, issues around gay rights. But I mean, sure, this that's a reaction that I could say. Yeah, I mean, a middle finger sometimes is the best feeling of all. And especially when somebody's already kind of um, giving you something or, you know, admitted defeat, I guess would be another way to phrase it. And you're just like, nah, just fuck off. And I get that. And that's definitely his personality. But on the next page, his accountant tells him it would save them a bunch of money. And then it becomes (laughs) his new crusade. Like he's like, you know, Hugh, we have to get married now. And then his Hugh says, I don't care. It's just money. And he says, this is a sentence that does not register on Greek ears. It's just a mango-sized brain tumor. It's just the person I hired to smother you in your sleep. When is money just money? And so, yeah, I, it seems like he has this thing with, um, I don't know, measurable ways to show that your life is functional, or I'm not yeah. sure. But, that, yeah, yeah it's, it's a contrast. I mean, he, he runs from, he jumps from ideologically furious to, right. you know, let's save some money <laughs> pretty quickly. In a right. page. <laughs> yeah. This can save you eight point six million dollars. It's like, well, we have to do this right yeah. now. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and you know, I don't I know he's been a successful writer, so he, he probably has a lot of money to think about making or losing or you know, whatever. Yeah, and no, fun. and that was that was a ridiculous number. I just threw that out there. No, I, I, who knows? I don't know. He's successful. But um yeah. Yeah, that, that seems to kind of yeah, that that seems to be a symbol of this or um representative bit of this issue. Yeah, no, um, I, uh, I actually didn't even notice that, uh, that it was, yeah, I like that right on the next page. I didn't notice that when I was reading it through. He also throws some shade at Olive Garden on that page too, which I can't abide. Oh man. What well, an institution. No, I'm 
Jumping back to 124. What does he say about all well, cards? He essentially oh. just mentions that being able <laughs> yeah. to marry is like, you know, you have all the rights, quote unquote, that straight couples have, one of which right. is like, you know, becoming sad and eating at the Olive Garden. Right, wearing dockers to the Olive yeah, Garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. let's leave let's leave Olive Garden out of this. Dockers, yeah, sure. We can uh, Yeah, I suppose the there's a lot of brands of clothes, but who does fast casual? Yeah. I guess it's not even fast though. Casual Italian American food. I mean, come on, those, those breadsticks, man, you know, those breadsticks, who can hate? Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, Zupa Toscana soup, the potato soup, might be the oh, best. Hey, you, wor- you worked at one, I was, you've been in one more recently than I have, because you worked man. at one, but that was like, what, my, 10 years ago? My college no, but, days, yeah, yeah, yeah. a decade. Well, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, the Olive Garden, I, I made those breadsticks, man. I made everything. Through. That's yeah, pretty really good. come through. Um, you have a but question yeah. to throw out? Yeah, let me see. Um, so, yeah, in the book, he covers he covers a lot of ground, I think, all while maintaining his sense of humor, the cynicism. Like, uh, he has a very similar tone throughout, but um, where did you think that he was most poignant like what was the story that stuck with you was it when he was writing about his family when he was writing about getting older was it about being obsessive about fitbit steps shitting his pants you know what what was it with you that really i think content wise i think we'll get into some of the quotes i pulled i did the quotes i pulled were none of them were like i think this is poor like i don't like this there i did like a lot of the writing for as much as the tone kind of dragged on and i found a lot of the essays rambling but um yeah i suppose the getting older insights i thought were pretty meaningful well specifically about the airplane incident yeah he sees the old man and like just the discomfort of you know he kind of describes well feeling like you're trapped in yourself you know you have a look at yourself and don't know who you are i i can't say you know i 100 percent relate i've had my moments you know (laughs) but like that's not 100 percent where i'm at but i think it was very well articulated and like kind of hit that one hit pretty well um the family stuff i find just too rambling maybe it's a part of a kind of a condition of having a big family our family's much more smaller and more tight-knit and like it's not like we had our cousins living in our house growing up so it wasn't like we're you know living with 10 people i just feel like some of the back and forth family dynamic and this sibling and this it just that part i just can't ever relate to i I don't think right yeah, maybe you know, that is. I mean, growing up with five siblings, that would be that would be uh, wild. Yeah, yeah, that yeah that that didn't hit. I don't think. All I'm gonna save the quotes for the the quote section. But yeah, the the quotes about aging I thought were excellent. Did yeah. you have an essay that's? I'm one of my questions was: Did you find one of the essays to be particularly cohesive or or good? Cohesive, uh, I think, uh, you know, when you kind of look back at it, there were some that you really could string together easily. I mean, to me, the ones that bring up the house, the vacation home that him and Hugh buy, I thought you could kind of string those together and probably turn that into like, you know, a nice little, yeah, take the chapters out and just have it be like a kind of like a, you know, memoir about his family and growing up vacationing on the coast in the Carolinas to now. But when I was looking back at the Calypso story, the one after the book was titled about where he gets that fatty tumor removed from 
that that uh-huh. woman in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that one to me kind of stood out for one because it's a little unbelievable, but also for two, um, it he chose. He chose to name his book after a hypothetical name for a cat, which he thought was stupid uh, in in the story. And I thought, uh, to me, I don't know, that makes it that much more interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, why name your book Calypso? It has nothing to do with anything. In the, it has to do with one sentence. It's not about a theme or it's not about anything else. It's just about a, he makes up, it, it has to be the the nautical reference of it. I mean, the the kind of interweaving uh, topic in the book is the beach house right. uh, that he bought. Which, by the way, with recent hurricane activity, I did not Google to see if the place they lived got hit. But I bet oh, that's man. the next book. That's probably the sequel. I guess. Yeah, we just have to wait and find out. I hope. Yeah, it's, I didn't look into it. I hope it's all right. But I mean, yeah, it's one of those. Was it? I think it's on stilts. <laughs> Right or something. It's, it's, something. it's beachfront. I mean, it's beachfront, like on the sand. So who right. Knows? Oh man, who knows? Uh, that well, we'll have to check back in on the next dumpcast. We'll give you an update, hopefully. Yeah. I thought the that stuff. I felt like kind of helped. Well, it unifies it, but also again, just disconnected some of the essays. Like some of them, I didn't feel like had to mention the beach. Like you had good, interesting insights, and then randomly, there's a story about a conversation you have with your niece. Or yeah, like, he jumps Why am I on back. the beach again. Yeah, yeah just like an unnecessary connection, and some of them just didn't connect. Hit or land. I did yeah. like the, the silent treatment. I thought was pretty uh, collected. That was, yeah, I it? think that was um, one of the most poignant. Uh, yeah, about story. his father. For sure. Yeah, yeah. that was. I, I thought that was really well done. It was again a topic I can't relate to all the way. I mean, yeah. mom and I can chat about you know numbers of things, and it's fine. And so yeah. I don't. I part of it, I guess, I'd never really considered is that. I mean, mom doesn't talk about politics too much. I think some parents do. She'll mention yeah. them, but it yeah. seems like that's where him and his father. Like, if his father did want to chat, it would be about, hey, here's a political thing I believe, or here's some news, and it just sounds yeah. like they will never come to agreement on what is relevant or not, or what should be just. Dis- and so. I guess if that's if that's somebody's main hobby, if that's their main interest, their time, it would be hard to connect. But I, yeah. yeah, there are some good sentences in there. I like, um, you know, he says, I'd rather speak with him with Hugh. It's been like this for as long as I can remember. You know, it's kind of like he prefers to have a buffer around. Uh, I, I have social encounters like that. I mean, not yeah. with my family, but I understand the feeling. of you know, Yeah, it's easier when... Yeah, having other people kind of open up different different pockets of conversation and uh, inter- other topics that you would otherwise never think to discuss or point out or bring up. Yeah. I, uh, I, I really liked the takeaway that he was talking about when his dad would play him different types of jazz and other types of music when they were growing yeah, same, up. Yeah, yeah, at the end. Kind of just force him to sit down and listen and he's talking about how nobody else could ever have any type of like musical influence on him other than like, or something that's like more poignant than that. I thought that was, um, that's really something cool. That was like a really, uh, nice takeaway for all like the distance and kind of like misunderstandings that they went through together. I thought that that was like, uh, it's like they were speaking in a different language and I thought it was cool that they have that. Yeah, you have to have, I guess, with family, you small connections. He says on 139, 
the harder I tried to mold myself into the sort of son I thought he wanted, the more contemptuous he became. And so eventually I quit trying and founded the opposition party, which I still lead to this day. Whatever he's for, I'm against almost. Which, um, I mean, that just speaks to, that's kind of what you get. It seems like with David Sedaris's, you know, he's got this petulance about him that he makes lovable. I just felt like this book broke my back. I'm like, no, it's not lovable after after a while. I mean, I get it's like a lot of it I enjoyed reading about, too. But at some point it became I just couldn't ride with him on all of his rants. You know, it became a bit much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I thought this I mean, that description of a relationship with someone again, someone who you it, it's forced, you know, it's you can't pick a new dad. And so it's like, well, that I get the negotiation of that. That's a yeah. difficult thing to manage. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that one was pretty well done or pretty yeah. complete. Again, I it actually, also had moments within it that I thought were strangely, uh, he talked about like flushing this thing down the toilet to cause his dad to, trouble. It's yeah. just like little, little anecdotes where I'm like, yeah, I kind of see the fit, but it just, some of it felt, uh, the transitions were just a little odd. I have to, um, well, I have to jump ahead to that now as my, um, my, little section that I picked out. I bookmarked this at the bottom of the page because I wanted to bring it up. And while we're here, um, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. It was, it was one of my favorite uh, sentences from the book. He says, as I backed away, he pounced. Then he wrestled me to the floor, grabbing my hand and forced it deep into what amounted to my family's asshole, which I, uh, that was one of my well, laughs. What is he loud. describing? So David's he's growing up and he's flushing these toilet paper rolls down oh, the toilet for no yeah, reason. Okay. Yeah, and gotcha. For some, for some, by some way or another, his dad basically figures out, and he's the one who he like takes the toilet off of the ground, and he has to like he's basically plumbing it himself. And yeah, this, yeah. At some point, he realizes that it was him who was doing it, and he <laughs> he made, he like forces he made him pull out like a huge. And I mean, yeah, sure. There was like paper towels, shit, probably so much disgust. He said the smell, like the house, it just like stunk up the entire house. Yeah. yeah. And then he basically says that he was stuck. He said, he was like, uh, he remained, uh, he froze in that moment with the same interest as that 11 year old, same maturity level, same haircut, same glasses, same everything. It's he's like, that was like the moment I just like, uh, like shaped him. <laughs> it's like, I just stuck. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very well described and yeah. disturbing. But I guess that's the uh, when you when you muck something up, I guess sometimes you got to get your hand in it. Yeah. That's what his dad would probably some summary like that. <laughs> that's what he would say. It's probably true. Yeah, I, we covered a lot of my questions there. I think we both agreed that I sometimes the the negativity of it or the cynicism of some things that's a fun thing to that's a tongue twister to say um he i think it became too much just generally speaking but i still felt like it's it was a book of moments you know there were definitely some excellent parts i think when i was texting you about it it was kind of like i said and i don't know his writing that well but i think i said like well no writer this good will have a book of just you know meanderings pointless and just terrible like it was it had i enjoyed a lot of the moments but right. at some point it just became like i mean i guess if this is your middle ages you know pointless book that's like the sentence it opens with basically you know nothing yeah. is nothing is better about being middle-aged like that it's a good tone setter it, it is established it does establish well what it the does. kind yeah. of thesis of the book will be in a sense 
Yeah, I think um, that was that. Yeah, definitely did. And by the time that we started talking about it, and we were texting each other about it. I think it was right after that exchange where I picked up the next chapter, and it was the one about um, your English is so good. I think that's what it's called, and it talks about. Um, it's the story where he starts talking about little idioms and small talk. And he is, yeah, he's, he's pretty relentless on that one and pretty, pretty cynical. And you're just like, okay, you know, how, how much of this am I enjoying and how much of it am I agreeing with? And then how much are you kind of like feeling for or lamenting the other side where he's just like trying to just tear it down. You're like, Oh man, you know, it's like, you kind of sympathize in some parts and you're like, dude, you don't have to be so, so brutal, but well, I that's part about being a good writer is being yeah. incisive. He's definitely and, incisive. And, and that's yeah. Fair. And humorous. He is able to pick out, um, and find the humor and things like that. And that, yeah, that is something that I think I, I, I enjoyed. I was flipping pages just now. This will probably be my final question thought, but I was flipping pages and I was trying to think of, um, stylistically about it, what I don't know if not bother me, what just didn't work. I don't think this is mm-hmm. something I just notice and can articulate. He has a lot of dialogue, either unanswered, meaning like he ends a thought with his dialogue and then just kind of cruises into the next topic, which I always yeah. find just it's a little, it's just a little jilted, I guess. It's just a little off. Yeah. But also, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the thing I find odd about like any autobiography at all is like, did you really say all the words you just completely restated in like the complete sentences you did? I mean, granted, all dialogue is touched up, but it's just, he's got a quote on 190. Um, what are you talking to? He's arguing with his father about Donald Trump presidency. And he was talking about the locker room, you know, grab her by the pussy conversation and yep. says, you know, I'm in a locker room five days a week and I've never heard anyone carry on like Trump in the video. And if I did, I wouldn't think, wow, that guy ought to be my president. I'd think he was a creep and a loser. And then I added, besides, he wasn't in the locker room. He was at work. Like, maybe that argument happened in exactly that order with exactly that clip. And, like, I could, can't dispute it. But right. something about just publishing it. Having it word for complete, word like that. It's just such a complete, I don't know, for, like, an anecdote about an argument, it's such a complete, clear sequence of claims and, right. like, arguments. Plus, where I just, it, I don't know. It, it, yeah, yeah, I... Plus, he uses a semicolon in the quote, and it's like, man, how <laughs> no, I real like punctuating that? that way. But yeah, no, it's okay. it, yeah, something about when it's on the page presented that way. Yeah, and you're right, like there's a semicolon in it. You just think this feels like a blog copy. Yeah, I mean, I, I get granted it's not that detailed, but I something about the dialogue where it's complete like that, and it's so cleanly stated. It just doesn't quite feel like it has the authenticity right. to it, but. You know, I, I'm sure that argument happened, and that's just how touching up in autobiographies. That's just how touching up dialogue goes. You know, that's you, that's yeah. the you got to put those things together. I guess. No, I think you're right, and that's something I just noticed. He does end a lot of paragraphs with either something that he remembers saying or something that another person remembers saying. It's like, okay, well, hopefully it was that exact sentence that that was part of your exchange with your sister in 2006 because yeah, so much dialogue. I can't remember what anybody says to me. You took that to print. Yeah. You can remember (laughs) like the, like the, like bits of the conversation, but man, I can't remember a conversation word for word that I had yesterday. 
Yeah, it's incredible. I've my memory just feels so shameful after reading this. You know, it's like, oh, man, yeah. I could I recall a complete conversation, the exact articulated arguments, the the way I laid it out in the order I did, and of, yeah, no you know, way. I, I don't know, but maybe I that's found, what makes him a brilliant writer. Also, maybe that's why he, well, he journals. journals. I was going to say yeah. I, he journals, right? So, so this is probably yeah. just the advantage of that, especially if you're writing like a ton of autobiography, like he is. This is kind of you. You have to have every moment crystalline you know preserved um so yeah i mean maybe that's the answer is as simple as that but reading it it just feels off to me it's not how my memory works but he's he's better he's like a master yeah i never yeah i just i kind of just took that for what it was and uh didn't kind of think of it in that way like oh man is that exactly what you said was that exactly how the conversation went yeah, yeah. Let's jump into um let's end it. let's keep the positives rolling. Let's jump into some quotes that we enjoyed. Okay. Syntax celebration. Let's celebrate some sentences here. Well, uh, you can start with one if you have any in mind. I have a few I can talk through. I just burned really quickly through that asshole quote, which I oh, thought geez. Was, uh, well, I, I can th- I can throw one out there cuz we mentioned the parts about him and his father listening to music together. I yeah, wrote one from 144 where he says, I'd put together a playlist we could listen to, a little Jessica Williams followed by Sam Jones and Eddie Higgins, people he might not have heard lately, a bill guaranteed to really shut us up for a while, which um, is a sentence that just kicks at the end in the best way. Like it's, yeah. you know, I, I don't know any of those musicians. I feel like I've heard of Eddie Higgins, but I, I don't know any of that. But the ending of that sentence is really just a good punch. And that's kind of the the synopsis it's, of the relationship, which is yeah, it's kind of the you know, point. I, will, I will tolerate you, which for him, I think is saying, you know, it's kind of a compliment and like, yeah. let's just be around each other and shut up, you know, let's yeah. just endure one another and be happy about it. Yeah. Let's do something that we both enjoy and that will force us to not have to search for words for 15 or 20 minutes. You know, yeah, I think yeah. he also talks about how his dad is, uh, he naps in his later age, and that's yeah, like a welcome yeah. thing because he can just, you know, comes in, sits down, falls asleep, and it's like that's kind of how he prefer- <laughs> that's kind of how he prefers it, you know. Right, like right. that is immediately is like right next to him, but they're yeah. they don't have to speak, they don't have to really um, make small talk or you know come up with. Which- I think for a lot of people it would be kind of the haunting, depressing thing about old age. It's like, oh, it's just a ghost of a person. But maybe for him, it's like the most comforting thing. All, all he wants is the impression. You know, he doesn't want to fight. He just wants like the feeling like, oh, yeah, yeah my dad's in here with me. It's just like, a, you know, yeah, he's, he's left here. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's a, that, yeah. that suffices. Yeah. And I, yeah, that, um, that quote stuck out for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can run through a couple more if you didn't have any. Do you have one you want to throw out there? Um, let me see. This was the last part that I didn't really get to. Some of, I mean, none of um, none of these that I'm looking for now I can really find. But yeah, there were really there were some parts of um, mostly just that tumor story uh, really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like no no particular sentence in. Um, Well, I can let me yeah. kick out another one here. Yeah, let's hear let's hear one that you got. I think this is the um, David Sedaris as close to a dissertation sentence as we'll get. This is him. Um, I don't know which essay this is from. I think it's it's an early one because it's from page ninety one. 
But he says, uh, memories aside, the negative just makes for a better story. The plane was delayed and infection set in. Outlaws arrived and reduced the schoolhouse to ashes. Happiness is harder to put into words. And maybe we could push him as far as to say, I don't know if he knows how to put happiness into words. Uh, But he certainly, yeah, he certainly has sharpened the negative to a kind of razor point. Um, And yeah, I thought that was... You know, a pretty that again, as far as like an opening, you know, couple hundred pages of the book, like that's kind of sets up what he is after in this collection. Yeah, yeah, is, it's yeah. yeah. You know, he could easily choose to write about, uh, you know, his his sunnier, better, easier memories about his sister or about their beach house or um, about his parents growing up or his family dynamic, but I think he, he think he chooses to write about uh, the, the testing times. We've got to put him some respect on his name because he's done all that. This is like his 10th book or something. He's written, yeah. I mean, the only other book of his I, I listened to on tape because our aunt wanted to listen to one and I listened to it with her and I enjoyed parts and had it, pretty much my comments about this one are the same for that, whatever that book was called. I think it was Dress Your Family in Corduroy or Dress Your Family in Denim, something like that. Yeah, I think it's Denim. Yeah, but he, um, he, I mean, I, at some point you can't... Corduroy you and can't, Denim. Oh, well, hey. You can't you dig go. into your past anymore. It seems like he's just been as thorough as he could be about everything about his growing up and family dynamics. And yeah, I mean, at some point you got to look ahead or look to the present or whatever. So yeah. I, yeah. 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 This book, and you, um, yeah. And you did say that this was your, you know, first read through second, maybe like a time around his work for me. I think it was also the second, I think I've only read squirrel seeks chipmunk before this. And I think that was even like, you know, that was pretty heavy, uh, fiction, but yeah, this is kind of my introduction which is interesting when you read reviews and criticism about how this is like, um, you know, this is different to some of the other, a lot of like the bulk of his work, you know, a lot of people say this is a little bit darker, still insightful, still witty, still funny, but, um, you know, a little bit more introspective. It's a little bit more, you know, sinister, and yeah, I mean, yeah, you can definitely see it. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call him sinister, but yeah, not sinister. That's probably the wrong word. For sure. That's just that's a bit intense. I don't know. Sinister so many of his intense. topics are so many. So many of you know the small talk crusades. Like so many of his topics are pretty innocent, innocuous. You know, innocent. Yeah, he befriends a fox. Yeah, there's a yeah. yeah. Some of these stories are very yeah, very innocent. Yeah. I'll end then with my, I, this is actually my favorite quote. Um, I, I don't know if it's the one I sympathize with the most, uh, but I kind of uh, thought it was just a good articulation. Uh, on 223, when he's talking, this is the essay, probably my second favorite, or maybe my favorite, when he's talking about seeing the old man on the plane who's kind yeah. of trapped and has a bowel movement accident and, like, you know, is just kind of stuck in himself. And yeah. uh, he says, when it's my turn, and I think this is the ending, he does end his essays and I in a, usually in a pretty um, poignant way. Uh, yeah. I found that to be true. But he says, when it's my turn, I'll open my out- mouth, unable to speak, and feel a little tap on my wrist. Time to stand up, my watch will whisper. Then, before killing myself, I'll say one last time, I am standing up. Which <laughs> is, is his defiance and his obsessive, obsessive uh, side all wrapped into one quote. 
Yeah, um, that's a great that's a great David Sedaris quote. It's yeah. got yeah, it's it's cynical, it's humorous. He well, yeah, and he when I thought it was interesting, he talks about you know the older man traveling with his daughter shits his pants on the plane before, right before they're landing. He has to walk past every single person on the plane to go to the bathroom. And David Sedaris is thinking, if I was that man inside that bathroom, I would probably be breaking my <laughs> breaking my glasses and trying to open a vein. Like he was like, he, you know, in his opinion, he's like, I'd rather kill myself than have to go back out and walk in front of every other person on the plane after that and uh, sit back down in my seat. Right, right. And that's maybe compounded by his, uh, you know, how he's often packed onto planes. He has a distinct take on air travel because of all his touring but no i think the the sentiment is pure there and is i mean it's yeah it's definitely um what's the word i'm looking for you know it's it's definitely uh harsh but i think i respect it yeah no it's uh (laughs) i think yeah what he wait is this the same story that he keeps so he has an apple watch and he also has a fitbit both of which are pedometers like advanced uh like step trackers but his watch will also beep him every hour like vibrate on his wrist and tell him to stand up i think he was ta- was it that what the one where he's talking about he was at the lecture and he had the insane stomach virus yes yeah that's the one yeah and so he's basically he's like he's at the he's at the podium or something and it's like time to stand up and he's like i am standing up like I'm, like, I'm, I'm in the middle of a lecture in front of thousands of people. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was a that was a good one. And yeah, I think that's a perfect um, David Sedaris sentence, and pretty sums up the book pretty well too. Yeah, I I really felt it did. That was one that, after reading a lot of them or reading it for a while, that kind of brought a smile to my face after feeling neutrally about a lot of it. Yeah. Um, we have to wrap things around or to bring them to a, a slow end. Um, no emails, so people out there in the uh, in the internet universe, keep shouting us out if you want to send an email on the stump one, the number one at gmail dot com is the email address. Nothing to dig through this week though, but I did, and I didn't pull any critical kind of reactions to the book, which is just me being lazy. My bad. But I did notice too. I was just flipping through the back of the or looking at the back of the book. And there were two quotes from reviews that actually touched on things we discussed that I can quickly throw out there if you have yeah, thoughts on them. On the did back, you the, uh, did you have the hardcover? I do. Yeah, I don't know where I. I must have just been whatever I ordered online. It came in the hardback. All right. Um, yeah, I know, right? Serious, big fan. Yeah. yeah. Um, it. Do, this is one that I can't help but jump on. Uh, it's from. Let's see. The where did it go? It said the seams disappear. Huh. Now it's like it's staring me on, in, on the back of the book. Ah, there we go. It's from Newsday. It says his personal essays are put together so carefully that none of the seams show. They often ingeniously build to a sneak attack of wisdom or poignancy in the final lines. I feel like that sent those two sentences are almost in themselves contradictory. I <laughs> I disagree yeah. with the first half. We already yep. talked about this. I I felt yeah, like yeah. there were seams all over, but like if you have to be sneak attacked in the end, 
then was it really well put together? Like, shouldn't an essay build to something? I mean, it's not like, um, you know, I work with high schoolers. It's not like we have to do the five paragraph style where it's like, state your thesis, restate it. Like, that's just bad writing at, at a point. But I sometimes I felt sneak attacked in a way that felt like, well, what was the rest of that there for? You know, I and I felt like yeah. I read, you know, carefully enough. I was giving it pretty good, careful thought while reading. But some of the anecdotes that were embedded in there, some of the detours, I just did not feel that. I, again, his endings are often poignant. I do agree, but I, I didn't agree find that. it to be a positive sneak attack like it was earned. It was more of like yeah. an ambush. Yeah, I I think we yeah, just touching on how he's able to save, you know, a couple of his um heaviest uh maybe not heaviest, but um best sentences for the last paragraph of each story, but I thought yeah, the stories they definitely jumped from you know, kind of all over the place. One time when he's talking about, you know, befriending a fox, the next story he's talking about um, something about its family. Yeah, yeah I mean, they kind of jump. The seams thing, I, yeah, I don't particularly agree with, but there is something about the way he's able to wrap up these stories um, that, yeah, they're pretty uh, pretty poignant. Yeah, and I, and I think there he articulates so many things well, but the uh, just the general structure, I couldn't, yeah, can't get on board with that one. Here's one yeah. from Patton Oswalt. Uh, distant friend of the podcast. Whoa! Hey, we did, yeah, we did his. Yeah, we did his wife's book. Um, Bringing it back. But he, he says uh, it's helpful to see a voice that is as original as hilarious and sometimes as infuriating as Sedaris's was put through the same struggle and starve meat grinder that most of us go through. Definitely true. I think the part that I nod my head to is the infuriating part. I wouldn't say he ever infuriated me, but it's definitely, you don't want to read an echo chamber of essays all the time. I think that's important too. I remember reading, um, I don't read too many essay collections, but Hilton Owls, who's a New Yorker, he's like their theater guy, like their theater critic, or I don't know how many theater people they have, Yeah, but he's a a great writer, Um, but I read an essay collection of his called White Girls like five years ago, four years ago. Oh yeah, that was a book club book. Yeah, it was for you and, yeah, you and I read that one. Yep. And I found some of them in there to be so, he wrote one about Eminem, kind of like in praise of Eminem. Yeah. Um, that I just disagreed with so deeply uh, and was just like so put off by, but I mean, the writing was still excellent and it's, it's thoughtful stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's important to have, you have to have, you have to be able to bucket something in an essay collection. Uh, you don't need just somebody, you know, hollering into your ear, something you've already believed and heard. And I think yeah. he does get some original good stuff in there. Yeah, me too. I mean, I like, yeah. Every day, right? You're right. Uh, yeah, I liked um, I liked the stories the most when they kind of deviated from the family house, like a kind of backstory dynamic, and they kind of got out there and got a little weird. Yeah, I yeah I can't say any of the beach house stuff connected with me at all now that it, now that you put it that way. I did yeah. I, I liked a lot of the other anecdotes in there. Um, some of the travel stuff wore on me too. You know, it's what, what's left to be said about travel. I guess I didn't read anything about. I, so I suppose the insight with the man on the plane being trapped and all that that was a pretty good kind of metaphorical yeah. moment or symbolic moment. But a yeah. lot of it's like, man, air, the joke about air travel is there's no jokes left about it. That's kind of the, that's the new joke. It's, like, yeah, what it's the all fuck been... is anyone going to say? We all know. We all know everything about air travel. Like it's yeah. <laughs> hard to have a new angle. I respect it though. But I, and I thought that was actually pretty well, that essay I liked, but 
Yeah. No, there was the parts. Yeah, there was parts of that one when he's riffing against people who are in zoning board five or board whatever, like the last. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah and yeah. I'm like, hey, motherfucker, that's me sometimes. So take it easy, <laughs> dude. Like, I'm a rule follower from way back. That's probably why I went to Britain. They queue up so well, you know, classic rule followers, so to yeah, speak. Really I'm, not, I'm not bored before my zone, man. No way. Not even going to try. I have in my lifetime. Well, when traveling with other people, I guess. But um, Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's like I, I never sweat over headspace, and I will also never be the person to say, well, we're all getting there at the same time. Because, I, I mean, that's just like, I mean, yeah, that, that would drive anybody insane, but... Uh, when he was like, you know, he hears here over here's, you know, somebody wanting his overhead space. He's like, yeah, well, I am going to be the one getting that overhead space because I'm executive boarding class or whatever. And you're like, okay, man, like we get it. Like, yeah. I wonder a, if in a, moments like that, he's taking a dig at himself, but sometimes you, I can't tell. Yeah. I can't tell either. Like if, he was Some, being, if he was, you know, being sarcastic yeah, to, travel, to himself. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. That was part of it for me where I was like, okay, man, like, you know, hate on these people all you want, but I guess it gets a little tired. It's just inefficient at some point, man. You got, somebody's got to stand up for order, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Planes I find to be odd. Yeah. People do the, the rushing off of them is the part that I laugh at the most. Like, is yeah. it really that much more efficient? I, I don't know. just seems I like we know. should go down the line, but uh, I, you know, I have no insights about trap. I don't fly often enough to have an opinion. Just sit yeah. there and take it is my motto now. Just sit there and just <laughs> take it, man. <laughs> yeah. I've had enough weird airplane experiences in the infrequent times I've traveled to think like, that's whatever, true. just let it be. Just Wait. let it happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. We're weirdly negative. Um, but anyway, that's another Let's- cat. That's another yeah, that, episode. Is, that sure is. Yeah, that'll be our, like, let's revisit Seinfeld jokes um, episode. Yeah, airplanes. What's up with it? Food, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's wrap in the in the manner, that the only manner we know how, which is to keep reading and get another book started, which, yeah. full disclosure, we've both basically finished this one. We're going to record soon, this week probably. Yeah. Um, what book is it, Ryan? Will we pick? I think it was my pick. I'll say it's a Leonard Cohen poetry collection. Yep. Let us, short, eight, 80 pages. Yep. Let us compare mythologies. And I think it's his first book of. Yeah. Colin first Butter published. Book. Yeah. First published book. 1967. Yeah. It fit a lot of the requirements for this book. We were coming off the summer hiatus and we thought we need a short book. <laughs> it's 80 pages. Yeah. Uh, it's poetry, which means it goes by even more quickly. Yeah. And, uh, and we hadn't done poetry yet. We hadn't done any poetry. True. And it's the first uh, Leonard Cohen I've ever read, and it's living up to yeah. the hype. Sometimes those poems, they, they take me a while. you got to really sit and kind of break them down. Poetry demands rereading, you know? And, 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 yeah, uh, <laughs> constant as a teacher, I think. I, yeah, as a teacher, too, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you got to read them out loud. That's part of it. It's part of the deal. Poetry is always meant to be heard. It's always meant to be heard. That's the yeah. truth of the matter. Which I is, think, you know, uh, and that, I think that makes people love it or hate it, and I think I respect both. Like, if you don't, yeah, if you don't want to hear the sound of it, you don't want to r- have it ring, then yeah, I mean, there's just tons of other cool stuff you can read. <laughs> yeah. But it's, <laughs> I, I've, I still look at poetry, even the more, even, you know, you get into some really dense stuff from, I don't know, American modernism. I'm like, I remember in college reading T.S. Eliot poems and just thinking like, nobody's reading this out loud, man. Come on. There's no poetry slam on earth as as 
pretentious as to allow this to be read out loud. Yeah. But I think even even some of the more dense stuff, yeah. I mean, you just got to hear it. Yeah, I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna read. Uh, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a couple out loud tonight. Yeah, get up on your enjambments, and See we'll have to, have to pull up. I'll have to pull up a couple other poetry terms for the next one. Yeah, dig oh, that literary book. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. But that's, yeah, Let Us Compare Mythologies is on deck next. After that, we're not sure, so we'll let you know. Ryan's thinking short story collection. Constantly. TBD. Yeah. <laughs> so I wake up thinking about it, go to sleep thinking about it. All I can that's think about is short stories. We're riding the heater. I don't think I told you this small anecdote before we end. I had a student this summer. They go to a school in Charlotte. It's a private school, and with any private school, at least at the high schools, you find a lot more... Uh, creativity in the curriculum i guess i don't know so they they have more just freedom I, overall i suppose so they uh, you get a lot more weird assignments coming out of private schools is yeah. what i've seen just makes sense. some and for the better or worse to be honest because some of it's like this is unstructured trash this is yeah, just bad garbage. teaching for but sure like some of it's definitely just intriguing it's like wow they're doing that that's cool uh, I had two students this summer who they they have to do a book every summer, but they get to pick the teacher in the book. So that every teacher picks a book, and then students like sign up for their class. Basically, it's like a week oh. welcome back. Like, and so the teachers have a ton of say. And like some teachers, you know, feast or famine. Like some teachers will have like one kid who picks their book, and then others it's like thirty. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's what like signing up for a club. What happens if nobody picks the book? I think the teacher has to latch onto another one. I, I don't exactly remember. You have to, um, or like by default, maybe you get your second choice or something. something. Yeah. Well, th- you'll think this is wild though, because um, it's a book club connection for us. Okay. One of the kids, uh, two. Of the, I had two kids at once from the same school, and they chose the same book because they, you know, they're friends, and they're like, "We're picking the ones with our friends." Yep. Because they're in high school. That's how it goes. And yeah. they were, and they all they could think of was I can't remember the name of the book, but it's weird. That's all they kept saying is they're like I think it's one word. I think it's weird. And so at the end of class, I sort of demanded like you should look it up quick. I'm just curious because they had mentioned Elaborate. the other books. Yeah, well, yeah. I was like, well, they had mentioned the other books, and they were like strange enough picks that I thought, man, eh, this is kind of cool. And yeah. I kind of heckled them about it anyway. They he tells me at the end, it's he goes, oh, it's this guy George Saunders. The book is called Pastoralia. And I was like, that is truly a weird choice. Like, I can't <laughs> believe a high school teacher chose that. Uh, also, yeah. I love that author and that collection is amazing. And I kind of gave him like a little pitch. I was like, no, you chose, I mean, brilliantly, you don't even know it. Um, maybe yeah. they'll hate it. I, I never actually saw them uh, or haven't seen them since. So I never asked because they hadn't read it, of course. But uh, I thought that was hilarious. I was like, man, somebody in high school is like teaching George Saunders. How strange. Well, I guess res- why not? Respect, man. That resonates with you deeply, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. He's one of my favorite uh, living writers. So yeah, that, I absolutely. thought that was, yeah, I got a kick out of that. And yeah, that I think I've read everything he's published by now. Um, wow. So, well, that's not that big of a deal. He's written like four books. Still. Now yeah. I'm going to look up Pastorelli and I have to... Pastorelli uh, is really good. I didn't... 12th of December got all the the plaudits, you know, of praise, but Pastorelli had a couple excellent ones in there. I actually gave my copy away. I, I don't like giving books away. I lent it to somebody and then they kept it. I know some people are liberal with their book giving. I wanted it back and now Dude. I don't have it. Pastorelli like an- 10th of December? No, Pastorelli. It's like I had oh. that. I had like an annotated copy. It's gone. <laughs> it's like, oh man! I didn't give it to you, man. I I just asked for. Yeah. Anyway, that's how it goes. 
That's um, how it goes. We hit our uh, mandated 60 minute mark, Ryan. This is it. We hit our, they'll let us out now. They're, I had, they're a, free. I had a funny tingling sensation in my body that usually signifies the 60 minute mark. Yeah, when we've checked off the hour mark box. We've hit it. I don't think we're ever going to achieve a shorter podcast. Well, we did when you didn't read the book. That's the that's the criteria that we've we didn't established. Hit the hour mark last time? No, no. It was like 40 minutes, I think. Well, Which, I mean, still, it, you know. <laughs> Maybe I was doing people a favor. Who knows? Chamber. Yeah, for me talking in an echo chamber for that long, it's that maybe gone too long. But it must have been exhausting for you. I don't remember. So, yeah, it was probably fine. <laughs> I, I remember I it being remember, good. Yeah, yeah, I remember enjoying it. I, that book is amazing. So, yeah. it didn't, didn't, didn't pain me. Um, all right. So, we've got a book set up for next time. We've covered Clipso pretty thoroughly. Don't think yeah. we'll be re- revisiting Sedaris uh, in this book club, but we'll see. Who knows? Only time will tell. That's right. Well, we might not revisit any author. That's kind of the point of this deal. Yeah, I think it'd be weird if we did. Yeah, yeah. Keep the new things going. There's plenty yeah. of books. All about, uh, yeah, new books. <laughs> got to try some new books. Damn right, man. Only got so much time. Damn uh, right. Well, take us out today then, Ryan. I'm I'm prepared. All right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure. And um, do yourself a favor and pick up Let's Us Compare Mythologies by Leonard Cohen. Read it in less than 24 hours in time for us potentially to podcast about it tomorrow and send right. us your questions. Email. And uh, email your questions, and we will see you between the pages. So good, y'all. That's what you're hanging around.